G'day audience, welcome back. Sorry about last week, I just, yeah, I was just hell busy. So, bit of a wrap up of what's happened recently. So I think everyone who's gotten into investing in the last six months has actually been very lucky because what we've had, so we rewind six months ago and we saw, you know, the crazy optimism for growth stocks and risky companies with zero sales. And then there was kind of, and then that boom kind of collapsed. And in that collapse, you got to see how, you know, all these electric vehicle or whatever niche company that was making no revenue, how they could explode up and then explode back down. So that was kind of the first phase. And then growth stocks in general and everything that's been hyped up also started to cool off. So we saw all the growth stocks that boomed during 2020, all the tech, all the new SPACs that everyone was obsessed with, all of those things then had, you know, a preceding couple of months of pretty poor performance, essentially from January or February-ish till about a week ago, growth stocks were just getting hammered. They all just, everything was down 33% to 50 plus percent. And so you got to see how, you know, optimism and sentiment can rapidly change. And in the same time that the growth stocks came crumbling down, we saw all the value stocks, all the film and media, all the you know, reopening plays, all the alcohol, all the value-oriented companies do really well. And then as of about a week ago, the tide has kind of shifted yet again. And now all the reopening plays are kind of suffering a bit of sell-off pressure, probably a bit of profit-taking, and all the growth stocks that have been battered are now reversing course. And so you got to see... A, how quickly things can change. B, how to avoid, you know, the really kind of dangerous companies that are all hype and, you know, inevitably lead to quite a lot of financial pain. And then you also got to see how value actually bounced back, which is is quite significant because value hasn't really done as well as it has in the last six months. Value has done pretty poorly for about the last five odd years value has just never really fully spiked the way it did in the last couple of months. And so where we're at now, the the reason for all that change, by the way, was inflation. And if you haven't kept up, inflation essentially, yes, there was high inflation, but then the latest numbers on inflation that were released a couple of days ago showed that inflation isn't as bad as everyone expected and interest rates came down. So the reason all of those changes occurred in in the start of the year was because interest rates were starting to rise, um, not by government decisions, but like the market was anticipating interest rates to rise. And so the market, you know, got a bit ahead of itself, rapidly shifted out of growth, which does bad in increasing interest rates and went into value, which does well in increasing interest rates. And then the latest news as of a couple of days ago, is that, oh, inflation isn't that bad, interest rates aren't going to be growing as fast as initially thought, and growth is back on. So you got to see a lot of changes in a really small period of time, which is, you know, good experience. And, you know, 
while you might be down or you might have suffered some losses, whatever, it was worth the learning curve that you hopefully gathered from all that. So, okay, so that's that's kind of the latest news. And, you know, a, a listener sent in a question to me saying, hey, can you just like tell us briefly at the start of each episode, you know, what's what areas are kind of cheap? And, you know, it's hard to say because you've got all the value stocks which are not cheap anymore and because they've run up so much. And then, you know, growth stocks are interesting. I'd say growth stocks are interesting. There's no kind of general area of the market that's super cheap or super expensive. And that's just what happens sometimes. Sometimes you'll have a whole kind of sector or area that's really undervalued um, at any given point in time. But sometimes it's what's called a stock pickers market, which is where it's very company specific and you've actually got to be very, you know, every the bargains are in individual companies, not in entire sectors. But to be honest, if you, if, if, if you hadn't gotten into growth stocks yet, or you really like growth stocks and, you know, haven't pulled the trigger recently, I'd say now's probably a good time to start looking at actually buying some of those growth stocks because their valuations have come down quite a lot. And I think it would, it probably bottomed about a week ago and has started to kind of turn around now. And, you know, and that's why I say it's it's ideally you want to be buying, especially growth stocks. Growth stocks are just super volatile. And that's something else you would have learned recently is, you know, yeah, everyone talks about how growth stocks go up so much. But the reality is that the road to those big gains is is really up and down and really volatile. And it takes guts. Like if you want those big gains that growth stocks give, you've got to be willing to deal with the volatility and that comes hand in hand. And so you've got to be buying when it comes to growth stocks, you really want to be buying in little pieces, right? But it's tricky because it's easy to say you should be buying growth stocks in little pieces in the last six months where they've been sliding down. But you know, in most pretty much any other period in the last 10 years, if you bought growth stocks, they kind of only marched higher and you'd probably be kicking yourself for buying in pieces. So you never know, but it it is a good approach to buy a growth stock in pieces. You know, open your first position at about a third of what you are willing to fully max out at, buy another third when it's down about a third and then buy the rest when it's like really down in that way. You're not going all in on one price and then when if that stock you know has a big fall you're just down heaps and you don't have any more money to put into that position and then you're just stuck essentially and that's what you know that's what I did with wish you know I started a position at about $20 which obviously proved to be a mistake and then um but not a mistake it it was still cheap and I still think there's value there but whatever you cuz when you put in your position your initial position say I bought wish at 20 bucks and then it fell down to 10 bucks and I bought another bag of Wish. All of a sudden, my average price for Wish is $15. And then if Wish goes down again, you buy the last remaining third and hopefully that is you know at least close to the bottom of where it can go. And then your average price all of a sudden is probably around the $10 mark instead of the $20 mark that you first bought at. And so now that Wish is sitting at about $11 or $12, 
you know, all of a sudden you're up just because you bought in pieces on the way down instead of going all in on one price. So that's 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 kind of part and parcel with grow stocks. Another approach you can have to grow stocks, because the problem with grow stocks is that they're fundamentally they're hard to value. Because here's what happens. You look at a grow stock and let's say you do everything perfectly and you do your big spreadsheet DCF thing and, you know, you're obviously, you put in like a rosy future project, projection for this company. Well, then the, the spreadsheet is just going to spit out a really big, you know, stock price to buy at. And so you'll go, oh my God, I'm getting a massive bargain here. And so you'll buy it because, you know, your spreadsheet said it's worth a hundred bucks and it's currently at 20 bucks. So you go, oh, awesome bargain. But what happens along the way with growth stocks is, is that volatility and that change in sentiment and the change in the multiples and the change in the valuation that, and that's just the market. You can't, you can't predict that. So you, yeah, and, it, and this is why growth stocks is really tricky and you should not be beating yourself up that you didn't buy at the bottom of the price because it is impossible to buy con- to consistently buy a growth stock at its bottom price because like I said with growth stocks they're super volatile when when the market is negative towards a growth stock it can get very negative to the point where the valuation doesn't make sense and so all your valuation metrics you know, they, they just won't make sense. So for example, with Wish, you know, it's a marketplace, you put a 20% free cash flow margin on its revenue. When Wish was at eight bucks, the implied multiple, you know, you get the revenue, you put 20% margin on it, exclude the logistics part, that's worth nothing. And you put a 20% theoretical free cash flow margin on that. Then Wish at eight bucks was valued at a free cash flow multiple of like 10 which just doesn't make sense. It's growing at 30%. How how could you in your valuation process, you know, be so uh, like cynical and have such a big margin of safety that you would only buy it when it was on a free cash flow multiple of 10? And and the trade-off there is say, okay, so let's say you you only buy a growth stock when it's really, really cheap. What that means is, you and you can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. You can say in your head, "All right, I'm only buying, you know, a growth stock when its sales multiple is two x, or when its theoretical free cash flow multiple is ten x." You can do that. It will just mean that you miss out. There, there won't be that many times where that opportunity arises. And like I said, the only two companies, the only two growth companies in the last very long while that I've seen hit valuations that low have been Wish. And my deal, those, and they they would be the only two growth companies you would have bought in the last six months, which, you know, could be good because you're being very, very conservative with your valuations, and you're only buying when they're exceptionally cheap. There's nothing wrong with that. It just means your selection and opportunities will be really limited, and that's the trade-off. Whereas if you're very optimistic and you you know you give buy things at crazy valuations, well, then you'll have heaps of stocks that come within your price range, but but you'll be buying more stuff more expensively. And so there's a delicate balance between being too conservative and being too optimistic. And it's an art. It is so hard to do consistently. And it's not because you know, you're a bad investor or whatnot. It's just because when it comes to growth stocks, the market can swing 
so optimistic to so pessimistic really, really fast. And you just can't, it's difficult to account for that. And so, you know, that's why growth stocks, not a lot of people like it. Value stocks, on the other hand, you know, they're profitable already. You know, you can have a rough idea of what a cheap multiple is and what an expensive multiple is for that company. And so you can buy when it's on that cheap side and you can sell when it's on that expensive side and you can do that consecutively and you can just rinse and repeat that process. But with growth stocks, it's a lot harder. The ceiling is way higher and the floor is way lower and you've just got to hope that in your approach, you're being conservative enough that you get closer to buying at the floor than closer to buying at the ceiling. But like I said, you can always just add to your positions as they get, because as the stock gets cheaper, it's theoretically becomes more appealing. And so, you know, when Wish was in the floor, I just threw money at the thing because I was like, this is the best of all the options I've got out there. Yes, I'm down on this position, but at eight bucks, Wish is the best deal I've got available that I see personally. And so I just bought more, bought more, bought more. And it's okay to do that. You've just got to have, you know, the guts to do it, I guess. So that's kind of where the market's at at the moment. And so I guess areas of the market that are, I wouldn't say cheap, but are reasonable are I'm going to say this with a grain of salt, are SPACs. So there there are quite a few SPACs out there that are reasonable. And we've mentioned before, BarkBox is still very reasonable. Lottery.com is still very reasonable. And Vivid Seats, which I haven't mentioned before, is also very reasonable. Vivid Seats is a marketplace for buying and selling tickets to events. And if you... It's essentially, right, in its history... You know, obviously the company has been smashed by COVID. Smashed, obviously. Revenue's down like 75%, something ridiculous like that. But if you take its free cash flow from 2019, at its current valuation, it's on a free cash flow multiple of like 15. And yeah, it's only growing like 10% a year, but 15, a free cash flow multiple of 15 for a company growing at 10%, that's a marketplace, it's tech, it's high margin, that's a very, very appealing value proposition. And it's one of the few reopening plays that isn't exceptionally expensive. A lot of the reopening stocks have already priced in all the optimism, all the recovery, and they're still expensive even based on that. Whereas this one, I'm not sure why, has just stayed at a rock bottom valuation. Now with SPACs, if there's a SPAC you like, you know, have a go. They're, they're quite cheap at the moment. But, but here's the thing to be weary of with SPACs. Because SPACs have a floor of $10, okay? They got a theoretical floor of about $10.50. Because if we remember how a SPAC works, you know, the comp- it's a blank check company and it's, and it's got, you know, $10.50 worth of cash per share, essentially. Or $10 per share worth of cash. It depends. Some SPACs are slightly different. And so it's got a theoretical floor of 10 bucks. Now, the danger with that is that there are a lot of these SPACs that would be trading lower than $10, you know, because of the fundamentals or because of sentiment. There are a lot of SPACs that would be trading below $10, but because they've got $10 a share worth of cash, 
it it just won't go below 10 because then it doesn't really make sense right you if if a spac price went down to $9 well then if you buy that you're paying $9 for $10 worth of cash which doesn't really make sense so and the danger with that is a lot of these spacs want to go like the market wants to make these spacs worth less a lot of these hype spacs that have you know their their the optimism has worn off them or you know they've got all these legal issues or you know their 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 kind of sector has been bashed up because they were overhyped before like electric vehicle renewable energy kind of stuff so those those spacs are stuck at 10 bucks but as soon as the spac deal goes through and it's its own company now, it won't have that $10 floor anymore. And you'll find that as soon as the deal goes through, it's likely it might have like a spike for one or two days, you know, because of optimism. Yay, deal is done. But after that, the market will go, huh, we're not that keen on essentially startup companies being worth billions of dollars with, you know, $10 million in revenue. And that will come falling down after the deal. So that's where you have to be careful with when I say SPACs are a good deal at the moment. You've got to be careful of that kind of fact. But BarkBox is, it's it's changed its name, right? It was originally Northern Star Acquisition Corp. That's when it was a SPAC. Now it's Bark. So it's its own separate company. So it's already gone through that stage. And actually for BarkBox, the opposite has happened. It was It was cheap before, and now that the deal's done, it's got this optimism that's pushing it high up as the market realizes that it that it was quite cheap. But you've just got to be careful of these other companies. You know, there's a company called Latch, which is trying to be like an iPhone operating system for your house. And so it's it's like an, a, a Wi-Fi connected electronic lock and it's got all this software in it where you can hook in cameras and you can do all this stuff. You can connect it to your lighting that company is worth, its SPAC deal is worth like $2 billion. And all it's got in revenue is about $20 million of hardware sales. But they're talking about, oh, wow, our software is going to be worth so much. They've got a million dollars in software revenue. A million bucks. That's like someone's business they run out of their house. That's not, a million bucks is what a restaurant would earn in a year. And yet it's got a $1.5 billion valuation. Like, yeah, sure, it's got growth opportunities. It could be the next big thing. But in that scenario, that those kind of companies with really small revenue and are essentially a startup that have gone public, that's why they went public through a SPAC, so they could get access to a lot of money even though they're just a startup. And instead of dealing with venture capitalists, they can deal with the stock market, they can get a lot of money, and they can you know use that to invest. It makes sense for them, but as an investor paying $1.5 billion. The whole point of a startup is that you buy it when it's really small at a really cheap valuation and then it explodes. But if your startup is worth $1.5 billion, the upside isn't there. But you've got all the risk of a startup, you know, that has very little revenue and you've, you've just got all this expectation baked into that price, all this optimism baked into that price. So I so if you're looking at SPACs, just be careful that you make sure if it's still a SPAC, you know, if the name is still something Acquisition Corp, that means it could just be at $10 because that's kind of the floor that the SPAC can go at. And it could be, you might be going, wow, it's so cheap. It was at $20 before and now it's at $10. That's, that's cheap. 
But what you might not realize is it could be one of those hype stocks that the market isn't really into anymore because the market has, you know, gotten a bit more rational. And so as soon as the deal gets finalized and the SPAC turns into its own company, well, then the market will stop valuing it as a SPAC with $10 of cash per share and start valuing it as this very highly valued startup. And then it can re-rate downward. So you've just got to be a bit careful when I say SPACs are cheap. So that's, sorry I missed last week, but that's kind of the state of the market at the moment. You know, a lot of the value stocks are a bit overpriced. A lot of gross, there are quite a few gross stocks, which I've already told you guys about a hundred times, are super cheap. Some of them are super cheap. A lot of the gross stocks are more reasonably valued, not necessarily, like Peloton, I still don't think that's cheap. But there are some gross stocks out there that are that are reasonable, or more reasonable than they were a couple of months ago. And I think we're going to start to see growth come back as it always does. Growth always comes back. Like I said, it usually lasts a couple of months. Sentiment kicks in, growth stocks just get hammered and hammered and hammered. And what you want to do there is buy on the way down, like I've been telling you. And then once growth comes back, it rebounds really sharp and hard. And then that's when you want to have already completed your growth stock buying. And then you get to ride the wave up and then, you know, hopefully we've learned from these last few months that when growth stocks come back and the valuations get wildly excessive, it might be a good idea to, you know, take some profits and sell off some of those growth stocks when their valuations get really stretched. And then it's likely once the growth stocks valuations get stretched again, the market will pull back on them again. And then, you know, you've sold your growth stocks when they were at high valuations. And now you've got all this cash sitting there waiting to be deployed. And then when the growth stocks come back down again, you can start rebuying them as they get to more reasonable levels. And then you do it again, rinse and repeat. And But the thing is, who knows how long the, the growth buzz will last? Like the last growth buzz essentially lasted a year. And then I had a couple of months to cool off. Who knows how long this next kind of uptick will go. But I think a lot of the fears about interest rates and inflation have kind of subsided and, you know, when there's no excuse for the market to hate growth stocks, they love growth stocks again. <laughs> um, that's just how it works. Now, there was a question about what to do when your stock becomes part of like the Reddit crowd meme stock rally. And, you know, the question was sent to me because obviously Wish for about a day or two, essentially, it didn't really last very long. But for a day or two, Wish became like part of the meme stock rally. Um, and... What what would you do in that scenario? So let's just say theoretically it happens again, you know. The Reddit crowd tends to like come and go and sit in the shadows. You know, Wish could come back as a meme stock. What I would do is essentially you've you've got to take if one of your stocks becomes a meme stock and just has this meteoric rise over a couple of days or a few weeks, you really should try and take some profits there. And the reason is that, you know, while I think Wish is a, is 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 has a lot of potential upside to come in the future. While I think that's the case, the reality is that if you if one of your positions for any reason gains, you know, 50% plus in a matter of a couple of days or weeks, it's a good idea to take some profits there because it's likely that there's going to be some profit taking after. Okay, you'll see it on all these hype stock charts. Stock chart skyrockets to a point 
over a couple of days or a couple of weeks and then just comes crashing back down. And that's just because people take profits. If your money has just earned, you know, 50% in such a short period of time, yes, wish might be worth more than that in the future, but you've got to factor in the time component and that you've gained 50% in a short period of time, which equates to an annualized return that is massive, and you've just got to take those profits. And so what you do in that scenario is you've essentially got to become a trader. It's the only time I like will start to like check my portfolio more closely. And I did that when Wish started to you know, skyrocket. You've got to keep an eye and you've got to kind of act like a trader. But what essentially I would do is I would just hold it, for maybe like two days and then start to sell a little bit at a time because you know generally these trends tend to last I don't know a couple of days or a week so you let you let the meme hype roll in for a couple of days you let it ride up and then you sell a little bit and then the next day you sell a little bit and then the next day you sell a little bit and you just take some take some cool profits maybe maybe cut it by a third it depends it depends how hard it goes up I know we all like concrete answers and I'm not really giving you one here, but essentially if your stock becomes a meme stock and it's gaining a lot, start to sell a bit of it. It just it just makes sense to sell a bit of it because the chances of it coming back down after are pretty high and then you can just rebuy after. There's nothing wrong with that. So that's how I would play the meme rally. But it looks like Wish, Wish's hype lasted about a day. And the interesting thing about Wish because I was shocked. I could not believe, you can't imagine what it felt like for me who hates this Reddit trade BS to find that I was stuck in the middle of it. <laughs> it it killed me. But what gave me a bit of solace was that I went on to Seeking Alpha and I read you know, the news article on Seeking Alpha and I looked in the comments section and there were a lot of people there who were in wish for the right reasons. And it looks like Reddit, the Reddit people might just actually start to be getting how to invest a bit more smart instead of just chasing short squeezes, blah, blah, blah. It sounds like they actually bought, were getting into Wish because they thought it was cheap and did have good value. And so, you know, that was reassuring. But yeah, it doesn't, I don't know if it'll come back. I, I don't really keep an eye on those things, but that's that's where we're at in the market at the moment. If you've got a growth stock that you've been waiting on or looking at, you know, it could be time to buy a little bit of it because I think growth stocks might be coming back again, as they usually do after a few months of getting capitulated. And they come back pretty fierce, pretty fast. I think in the last week, a lot of growth stocks have, you know, really gotten into gear. And so, yeah, good luck out there. And I will see you guys next week. Have a good one. Send through any questions. And remember, as always, full disclaimer, this is not financial advice. It's purely for educational entertainment purposes only. Please seek a quote-unquote professional. See you guys.